The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the seventh chapter. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour... He healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation, and what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace, calling to one another, We played the flute for you. And you did not dance. We sang a dirge for you, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say, He has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say to you, rejoice. Uh, once again, it's the third week of Advent. It is rejoice, exclamation point, Sunday. So not only is it like rejoice, it's rejoice. And it's like, you know, God telling you, rejoice, exclamation point. Um, however, it's hard to just rejoice, right? Especially of your own accord. Uh, and just to dig it up out of you. Um, because 
often we're living in a world, in a time, in a context where we don't want to rejoice because it goes against everything we're seeing, hearing, feeling, experiencing, talking about, and that makes it hard to just rejoice. This gospel lesson itself is almost bizarre when you think about it. So we're in Luke 7. Last time it was Luke 3, so it was early on last time. Now we're deep in the thick of it. And we have John the Baptist, who is later called in the text, you know, not only a prophet, but the greatest of the prophets. He seems to be having some doubts. And his problem is, is Jesus the Christ or not? And I think what's important to draw our attention to is the disciples of John reported all these things to him. So all the things that were happening, that Jesus was doing, teaching, all of his miracles, his disciples had to report to John because John was in prison. Even though Jesus in Luke 4, in a sermon, pronounces the words of Isaiah that he has come to set the captives free. And so poor old John a man of incredible faith that all of us should look to, still he himself is having doubts. And, you know, some like scholars, they say, okay, John, he didn't have any doubts. It was just him more so pointing his disciples to Jesus so that they, when John died, they wouldn't stick around and mourn the loss of John. They would just go on with Jesus as his ministry uh, was all leading to. And sure, maybe there's truth in that. And we even see in John's, uh, a different John, but John the Apostle's account in the Gospel of John, we know that John uh, the Apostle and Andrew actually were disciples of John the Baptist, and then they transferred their membership to Jesus' discipleship. And so that's all well and good. But no... I also want to allow you to think and ponder on John the Baptist had doubts. And I think not only is that okay, because Jesus, you know, of course, over and over again teaches on this. But I think that's where you and I come into the text is John the Baptist, the guy that says, you know, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He calls it before everybody. Jesus is going to die on the cross for our sins as a sacrifice. The same John that, it, that sees with his own eyes and hears with his ears the Holy Spirit descending like a dove onto Jesus and anointing him as the Messiah and King and hears God the Father's voice from heaven, this is my son with whom I am well pleased, uh, listen to him. That's the guy that's having doubts that this Jesus is the Messiah because he's in prison. And you and I, even though we were, you know, born, I think most of us, born and raised Christian in some capacity, you know, God has always been there. God has always been a reality in our lives. Still, when things get tough, 
when things are hard, when uh, you know, you're encountering all sorts of bizarre stuff where you feel like you're in Herod's prison, maybe you begin to doubt. And maybe not even that Jesus is the Christ, but is he really here to deliver me from my, you know, what, you know who will save me from this body of death, right? But then we get the words to remind us from Paul. Rejoice. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice! Exclamation point. Why would we rejoice if there's weird stuff on the TV? My friends don't seem to want to have me over as much. And I have to guess at the reasoning uh, you know, people are getting more and more private these days, and I have to guess at motivations. I have to stay in my house all the time, and it seems like more and more places where I can be myself and express myself, they're going away. I have to stay in my house. Jesus, you said you came to set the captives free. Please do that. And what's interesting, I'd say almost funny, is Jesus does, doesn't just say, yeah, I'm the Christ. I'm the Messiah. Instead, he gives like a, like a riddle. It's a pretty clear riddle. But what does he say? He says, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. He wasn't able to. So go and tell him what you've seen and heard. Namely, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers cleansed, deaf hear, dead raised, poor gospelized. The good news is preached to them. And what's funny is this is like a supercut montage of like, every Isaiah prophecy of the Messiah all put into one paragraph. And Jesus is saying in very short amounts of words, everything you were waiting for and looking to in the Messiah, I did it in the first couple weeks of my ministry. Here I am. And, you know, that's a big thumbs up to John and if you can picture John in his prison cell, and if you have a hard time picturing him in a prison cell in your head, there's one on the front cover. You know, he's picking his head out the window, talking to John and Andrew to go and tell Jesus. But um, he's given that confirmation And he can begin to ponder and think about how his present situation doesn't line up with what he believes Jesus promised to him when he said that the captives would be set free. And I think what Jesus is trying to teach us here, especially when he says, blessed is the one who is not offended by me, offended actually being, in Greek, scandal, scandalized, Uh, trapped up, kept from moving on by me, you know, stumbling blocked. Blessed is the one who is not 
entrapped by me and kept from believing. Jesus is saying, from our Zephaniah reading, God is in your midst. Because God said throughout the Old Testament, and really I primarily think of Ezekiel 34, when um, God is saying, he's like, I gave you these shepherds. They didn't do what I wanted them to do. They didn't take care of you, shepherd you, you know, heal your sick, uh, preach good news to the poor. So I'm going to come down and do it myself. And he finally makes good on it in Jesus Christ. And that's the good news. You know, the good news is all of this stuff rolled into one, the, the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, the lame walking. It's more than just God made a checklist and Jesus had the checklist and he checked them off as he did each thing. No, it's God is in your midst. He's among you. He's dwelling among you. And he's actively loving, caring for, and shepherding you in these ways. This is what it looks like for God to love you, is to heal you, to uh, give you words to say that are uplifting, that point to him, that aren't negative, uh, to, to hear one another when they confess their sins. But it's, it's more than that, to just let them unload their burdens so they don't have to carry it themselves. To, um, you know, the, the lame to walk. Come on, man, get up. Right? And what is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to the lame man, get up, take your mat, and walk? I think we're beginning to see how Paul can write, rejoice. Again, I tell you, rejoice. God is in your midst. But the way that he's in your midst is not how you imagined it. And that is what most of the text is dedicated to today. When you say dance, monkey, dance... Neither John nor Jesus are going to dance because they aren't monkeys. Jesus tells us um, another supercut of two Old Testament prophecies about John when Jesus stands up for John. He says, Behold, I send my messenger before your face from Exodus 23. And then he says, Who will prepare your way before you? Malachi 3.1. This journey, this Messiah's journey, John the Baptist was like Moses, who led God's people who were stuck in the wilderness, in exile, starving, hungry, starving, hungry for God's word, thirsty for God's word. And we know that Jesus is the bread of life and the overflowing spring. And if you drink of him or eat of him, you'll never be hungry or thirsty again. But John had to point to that as Moses in the desert. And isn't it ironic how last week it all, he, when he passes on the baton to Jesus at the Jordan, and Jesus takes up his namesake, Yeshua, or Joshua. And if you can remember, when Moses passes the baton to Joshua, 
And then he leads him into, or the people, into the promised land. That's what Jesus is going to do. Jesus picks up that baton and he leads his people to the promised land, to Jerusalem, sometimes known to you guys as Zion, the place where the Lord dwells, the holy habitation of the Most High, Psalm 46. But what happens there? Jesus doesn't just go into Jerusalem, put on his crown, and sit on his throne. He will, but it won't look like what you wanted it to look like. Instead, a crown of thorns will be put on his head, and he'll stand on his throne, the cross, and he'll die. He'll die for your sins. He'll die for the sins of all the people. And so Jesus is saying, neither John nor me are who we are who you expected. How you thought your life was going to go is not what you expected. And you can grieve that. You can say, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And he will. He will have mercy on you. And so I want to return again to Paul saying, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Because you like to think that Paul wrote this from like his corner office you know, at the um, ivory tower uh, where he was just shooting out doctrine and, you know, filling up the churches. No, he was writing this from prison with full expectation that he was going to die, just like John the Baptist. How can someone like Paul look to a hero like John the Baptist and how he knows John the Baptist was killed Or his friends, James, killed for the gospel. Stephen, killed for the gospel. All of my friends keep going to jail and being killed for this gospel message. Why do I keep preaching it and teaching it? Because he has to proclaim good news to those in prison, to the poor in spirit. He needs to remind people that Even though your life is hard, even though you have all kinds of suffering, and their sufferings, of course, were very different from ours today, we have lots to grieve. It is not something that is light to reflect on your church history, your church history, which is now my church history too, and say, man, It was really nice when everybody in the community was here and our lives and our joys and our sufferings were shared with like thousands of people and we all cared for each other. That really is something to grieve. But we live now rejoicing because we know that God himself in Jesus Christ is in our midst. Jesus had to go to the cross and die so he could be in our midst today when we take communion. He had to go to the cross and die, rise again, say, 
it is finished. All of this is finished. So he can depart space and time where we are tortured by our griefs, our torments, and our temptations so that Jesus can be present in your midst today as he promised in Zephaniah chapter 3, I believe, 3, to be present with you in his word on this Sunday morning. And so we continue. Man, there's so much wisdom in just these few short sentences. To not be anxious about anything, even though you are in prison, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, letting our requests be made known to God. Living lives of gratitude, thankfulness, always being thankful first and foremost that Jesus has died on the cross for our sins, and by that we have been made peace with God God loves us because of the sacrifice of his son. And we build on that foundation each day as we go out into the world. And we just give thanks for it and gratitude. And now we know that our prayers and our supplications go against the idea that nothing's happening or there's nothing I can do because we are praying and Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, advocating on our behalf. What is the result of this? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Whether that be you're in a real prison cell, the prison cell of your aging and hurting body, the prison cell of your tempestuous life. Jesus is here with you in your midst to remind and pull you out of it. Amen.